Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you're using your pew Bible, you can see in the bulletin it's on page 1773. I'm going to also ask you to, uh, if it is not your habit, to keep the uh, scriptures open as uh, I bring you a few lessons from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It may be helpful for you to see them right there in front of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come to you proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we of the mind of Christ. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Let's pray and ask him for his blessing on his word. Our gracious Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself in your word. We thank you that all things for life and for godliness have been brought to us by what you have caused holy men of old to write. And we do ask of you that as we uh, meditate on these words here this morning, that you would be gracious, uh, teaching us, leading us, guiding us, and you would prepare us as well to receive uh, at your table. We ask this all in the name and for the sake of our Lord Jesus alone. Amen. Whenever we have a serious accident or something happens that's really traumatic in our lives, there's almost always 
uh, a couple of questions that arise. The first one is, what happened? I caught wind of this, uh, was reminded of this, of the recent explosions that took place in Brussels uh, of a couple who was there in line, and they had no idea what happened. And it was one of the first questions they asked after they realized they were on the floor and there was something traumatic that had taken place. But there's always a second question that comes up. Where do we go from here? Whether it's job-related, whether it's financial-related, whether it's uh, a part of the family, just you fill in the blank. That question, where do we go from here, is almost always one of the questions that we ought to be asking. So here this morning, we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We don't have to look very far when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We don't have to look very far in the evangelical church scene to realize that there's a wide range of styles, of worship styles, and messages. We could just draw a panoramic view of it and say, well, some of it is nothing short of entertainment. And the rest of it, the other side of it, maybe just pure going through the motions. The evangelical church today, broad brushstroke now, suffers from an identity crisis. What is happening so often is, is that the church is attempting to appease the fickle tastes of its membership rather than to receive from the Lord the direction that the church is to go in. Now I realize that was a children's sermon, but God's GPS is always something that we ought to be considering. So as we look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we have to say that the church at Corinth had an identity crisis. Now, if I were to preach all the way through Corinthians, we would have covered the first chapter, and Paul is there pointing out the fact that there were, there were individuals in that church who were party individuals. Well, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and there were cliques in the church. And it's always a bad thing in a church when cliques come to pass. More often than not, there's a power struggle that begins to occur in a church. One party wants to rule over another party. And here in Corinth, the Apostle Paul began to address the very fact that there were cliques in the church. There were parties in the church that were going to harm the unity of the church. If you have your Bibles open, uh, still, I trust you, you do, uh, you see at the very end of chapter 1, uh, Paul says, Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So he's spoken about some of the things that are going on in uh, Corinth, and he's pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. So by God's grace, uh, I hope this morning to give you uh, four uh, lessons from this particular passage that ought to be answering our question, where do we go from here? 
Honestly, in a situation as you find yourself in, you may have found yourself asking the question, what happened? And it was traumatic for Clover ARP Church. But now that you've settled in by a few weeks, the question that's valid is, where do we go from here? And God's word has very specific directions for you at Clover ARP Church. It has directions for anyone in the church of Jesus Christ. It should go without saying, but I'm going to say it here uh, this morning, that if you are the true church of Jesus Christ, Clover ARP Church, you must have, we must have as our pattern, the revealed will of God himself. And we must stay within, the, the words that are used so often, is we must stay within the rails of God's word. And when we decide either uh, we happen to go out of it or we do so just by way of intentionally and we go off the rails, we go outside the rails, what happens then is that the church of Jesus Christ gets stuck in the mud of man's opinion rather than God's directive. And the Apostle Paul realized that the world was creeping into the church. If there's a phrase that I would ask you to try to remember here this morning, and it would be this, is the church is to be in the world, but the world is not to be in the church. So let's look at this uh, briefly here uh, before us uh, this morning. Uh, God's ministry, God's way, where do we go from here? First, first lesson for us all is that God sends ordinary men to declare an extraordinary message. Look at how the Apostle Paul addresses it. The great Apostle Paul. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. The men that God uses in the church so often throughout history are those who have been ordinary men declaring an extraordinary message. And I say it to you this way because the thinking that so is so prevalent in so many churches is that we must have someone who is superbly dynamic and impressive, and if we follow that man, certainly we'll be able to grow and we'll be able to thrive. But if you're willing to allow history to teach you anything in the church of Jesus Christ, is is that God has used men who are simply ordinary, delivering an extraordinary message. That God is called to proclaim his word to the masses. And God has been pleased. I only need to take uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Well, you say he was an orator. Yes, he was an orator. God gifted him. But he did not ever rest in his oratory. At the age of 19 years old, struggling to find his salvation, 
walking into a church as a 19-year-old, maybe it was 17-year-old and he was preaching at 19, and he's struggling to find the way of salvation. And there's an ordinary elder bringing God's word. And he's bringing the text, look unto me, all the ends of the earth. And the scales fell off of Charles Haddon Spurgeon's soul. And he went into the ministry and preaching then at 19 years old. And God using him in a great, great way. When there's so much emphasis placed on dynamic and impressive men, what happens is the church is placing its hope in man. But look at what Paul, look at Paul's ministry when he came to the Corinthians. If that standard were to be used of the Apostle Paul, Paul would not even gain a hearing to the pastoral search committee. Look at the words yourself. I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. We'll deal with this next verse in a moment. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But look at this next verse, 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. And you see, the Apostle Paul repeats this whole thing. He's saying, I felt my own inability. I felt my own emptiness. And if there is a mark of a man of God who's been called to bring God's word, the one thing he absolutely feels and knows is his own inability. His own inability, his own unworthiness to stand and to declare God's word. Some of you here may be thinking, oh, pastors, they, that's, that's a piece of cake for pastors. They just get up there, I just work an hour a week, and I just preach a sermon. But you have no idea. You have no idea what takes place in the study. What takes place in the heart? What takes place in the mind? Even the stomach turning, even under the preaching of the word of God, while the man of God feels his own insufficiency and the inability to change the heart. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I didn't come to you this way. I came to you declaring the word of God. So the Apostle Paul is pointing out to them, I wasn't counting on my dynamic personality. Dear ones, where do we go from here? Is to find a man who's filled with the Spirit of God, who brings God's word. We don't want to downplay that God gives gifts to individuals to bring his word. need first and foremost to have the true lesson that God sends ordinary godly men to deliver an extraordinary message. 
Here's the second lesson that we want to learn here this morning. And that is, is that this extraordinary message is rooted in God's revelation. Look at our text. You'll see it in verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why would he... Why would he say this? He says this because he's using shorthand. He's using shorthand when he says, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's taking into account what we call the whole history of redemption. He's saying, I wanted you to know what happened in the Garden of Eden. I wanted you to know that Adam and Eve found themselves totally unable to make themselves right with God. I want you to know that every individual following Adam and Eve was born in sin, born under the wrath of God, unable to save themselves. I want you to know what God did throughout all of Israel's history. I want you to know what all of the sacrifices were about. I want you to know that it all pointed to the final shedding of the blood of Jesus I want you to know that God in his love came from eternity past, decided from eternity past and came in his only begotten son to die on the cross for sin and that he was buried and raised again and he now reigns in heaven above. That's all shorthand. I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So can I say to you here at Clover ARP Church is that the apostolic pattern of biblical ministry is that the man of God brings you a divinely revealed ministry and that ministry is rooted in eternal wisdom. You see it here uh, in our text. He said, my speech... Verse 4, and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, in order that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is what so often happens in the evangelical church, is that people place their hope in men. And it will always run a church amok when you place your hope in men. The apostle uh, spells it out all the way through the passage. He says, we do bring you wisdom, verse 6, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. See, the wisdom of the world is always changing. You can say the same thing about fads that occur in the church of Jesus Christ. You go from one fad to the next. I would challenge us all here this morning. What's going to happen when Dr. Phil passes away? What's going to happen when Oprah passes away? What happens when Joel Osteen passes away? The wisdom of men will die with the wisdom of men. 
Wisdom apart from this word of God is sure to fail. And it is so encouraging to be here at Clover ARP Church and see the emphasis that I hear among several of you, the word of God. And I trust that this morning as we meditate on these words that you realize, yes, we are on the right way. And if you're tempted to get off that way, and to rely on the wisdom of men. You're being called here this morning by God to come back to this way. I want us to see in the text what, what God's design for this is. Look at verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So the Apostle Paul reaches back unbelievably so. We can't even wrap our heads around it. But he reaches back into eternity and he says, God from eternity past has brought about the very things that you have experienced. He's decreed them and he's decreed them for your glory. He's decreed them for your eternal good, for your eternal happiness. This is not about this life near as much as it is about eternity. And so we need to always bear in mind that this, what God brings to us by way of instruction on where do we go from here, is that we bow before the Lord of heaven and earth and say we acknowledge that you've brought these things to pass for our glory. And we recognize that God does all things for his glory, don't we? We confess that in the confession of faith. God has brought about these things for his glory. But this text here says he's done this for our glory. There's a third principle I want to, for us to see uh, in the text, and that's from verse 10 through 13, is that this revelation is made known by the Spirit of God. And we, verse 13, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And then we hear those chilling words that the natural person does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. I say that they are chilling words because mankind is not able to make himself right with God. We are not able to understand the words of God until God honestly removes the scales from our eyes, from our ears, from our hearts. This is of great, great comfort to the people of God. Because when you are preparing for worship on Sunday morning and you're bowing before the Lord and you're asking the Lord to reveal himself, to teach you, to open his word to you, God has a hearing ear. And you come expecting to God's house, in God's house, expecting to hear from God. You're expecting to hear his word. 
You see, some of you may know uh, Johnny Erickson Tata or may know of Johnny Erickson Tata. She has a book out, and the title is a great title, Glorious Intruder. This is what happens. God gloriously has intruded into our lives as we are true Christians. There's hardly anything more comforting, as I said, uh, to God's people about this glorious intruder. And we, by God's grace, may know something about the Spirit of God in our own hearts and lives. One more lesson I want for us to see here uh, this morning is that the apostolic pattern of ministry is that Christians measure the truth because we have the mind of Christ. You see it there. It's the last words of our text. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We want to make sure that we keep all of this within context. We want to understand that the Apostle Paul is... is, is, is reiterating his apostolic authority. We have the mind of Christ as opposed to those who didn't have the mind of Christ. But by way of extension, I want to say to us here today that if we have the Spirit of God, we have the mind of Christ. And if we have the mind of Christ, we have every responsibility, every calling, and every privilege to measure the ministry of Clover ARP Church by the Word of God. We have the mind of Christ. Where do we go from here? We go from here, applying those four lessons out of this text. I am not saying to you as Clover ARP Church, I do not have the inside track on Clover ARP Church. Let me assure you. But I am saying to us all here that we need to be reminded from the Word of God that this is the direction that Christ's church must always march in. I mentioned it the last time when I was here. This is that when there is not a biblical direction, You can have people coming in the front door and God silently stepping out the side door or the back door. And the way that we ask and we expect God's blessing is is that by God's grace, as much as we are able, as much as the elders are able to pursue godly, spirit-filled ministry at Clover ARP Church and then look to God honestly bless his word in our midst. Jesus Christ and him crucified. There is no other message. It all hinges on this. Yes, there's a multitude of things to be taught out of the word of God. But what is it that sums up all of those teachings? It's exactly what the Apostle Paul said. I determined, I purposed to know nothing among you 
except Jesus Christ and him crucified. May this honestly be uh, everyone's confession here uh, this morning. That we have the spirit of Christ. That we are by faith resting on Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And he will give us the wisdom and the grace to press on in answering the question, where do we go from here? Let me pray a moment and ask the Lord's blessing uh, on these words, and then we'll turn in our Trinity hymnal. Our Father, indeed, these words are uh, delivered in weakness and fear and trembling. Lord, we look to you to bless your word, and so we ask of you to do it so that you will be glorified and you would give that the saints here at Clover ARP Church would love you in a greater way, would be more faithful, more holy, and be a testimony to neighbors, friends, loved ones, and this community, that Christ, the crucified, Buried, risen, and ascended Christ would be their great glory. We ask this all in the name, for the sake of Jesus. Amen.